What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to the Cold Seat Podcast, where the seats are cold, but the takes are hot. Got a good one today. A little bit of a, a different Cold Seat, regular Cold Seat episode. Not off to talk about in terms of uh, NHL, golf, and football. So we're going to get into a little Cold Seat miniseries, NFL quarterback carousel, uh, doing the Ravens and Lamar Jackson this week. So that'll be a nice conversation kind of towards the end of the pod. Um, but we're going to kick it off, and I'm going to let Brett crank up the heat today. Get it going. Yeah, let's do it. Um... So if y'all are relatively new, then one of the new segments we have to kick off the episode is called Turn Out the Heat, where we each say something that could, you know, is a hot take to some and obviously something we believe in. Um, but it can be sports related, it can be food related, it can be whatever, literally related to anything. Um, and mine is, is sports related, it's related to baseball. And I think that baseball is the best sport to watch in person. Now, in terms of on TV, it's kind of tough, I'd say. I put football and maybe even basketball above it. Uh, but in terms of what I've seen in person, I like baseball the most. Obviously, it's more of a niche thing watching baseball and knowing how baseball works nowadays uh, in comparison, you know, basketball and football have kind of taken over the sports world as of the past, you know, five years or so. Um, I always loved baseball, grew up playing, and I just think it's kind of slept on as a, you know, sport that people attend and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, I'm saying that's the best sport in person. And also, shout out Texas Tech Baseball. They started their 2023 season this past weekend on Friday, and they completed the four-game sweep of the Gonzaga Bulldogs, who are a quality team. They were picked to win their conference before the season started. So a really quality uh, start to the season for the Red Raiders. And I think this is a glimpse of what could be the season. And I think this team has a lot of potential. Obviously, putting it on the field is what matters, but they're – Took a few steps in the right direction this past weekend. Yeah. Um, I will disagree that it's my favorite sport to watch in person. I think football is. But I will get behind you in the fact that, like, baseball is an elite sport. It's better than basketball in person, I think. I mean, it's because I enjoy baseball more. This is why this is a personal hot – it's a personal preference take. But I will say baseball is a very, very close second to football. There's just something about the atmosphere – like at a at a ballpark, and it you kind of get it in Lubbock because it is like a more intimate environment with like it's pretty tightly packed stands and this when when the crowd is full, smaller field you're kind of you know you feel like you're kind of on top of the field if you're down the line I mean you're right there right like you are up on the net, um, especially if you're behind home plate, um, and I think in in a major league standpoint like watching even like a Triple A Double A games when the stadium's a little bit bigger and the environment's a little bit more of a buzz. Um, you know, I think that that there's just something about it you can't like really replicate. And you, if you've been to a baseball game, you know what I'm talking about. You can't really replicate the feeling of what a baseball game is. Um, but I'll, I'll definitely get behind you that it that it's um definitely slept on and definitely a great sport to go watch in person. And yeah, it's a great weekend for Texas Tech baseball. Um, you know, a Gonzaga team that had some highly touted pitching coming into the weekend that um Texas Tech definitely kind of knocked around a little bit. Um, I think the big question that was answered for the Red Raiders was starting pitching. It's a big question mark going into the year, kind of outside of Mason Molina. Didn't really know what you're going to get out of the out of the pitching rotation. Um, and they came out, came away from the weekend with a clear cut three really solid starters and Brennan Gurton, who came in in the third inning of game one and, and shut it down, pitched six innings of no run ball and one hit. Uh, Mason Molina the next day gave another six innings on this in his start for start of the year um, for him, uh, six innings of uh, one hit, no run ball, and then uh, Bo Blessy the next day, kind of the the new man in the rotation, if you will, or kind of the new name in the pitching staff. Um, 
not a guy who pitched a lot last year. Uh, high velocity guy, wipeout slider. Um, came in, pitched what five innings of was it four and a third of no hit of no hit ball, uh, yep. and then I believe he got pulled after the fifth. Um, what two, one or two hits allowed, a couple walks, no runs. I mean, a phenomenal outing for the starting pitching for the Red Raiders, and um, really what you know, like you said, could be a, a sign of things to come for them this season. And I'm super excited for them to get going here. Um, a couple of big series. I know Stanford's coming up soon, Iowa. Um, so some big series against some quality teams with quality talent on their team. But I'll get to my my hot take. I'm gonna get real. I'm gonna crank the heat way up with this hot take. This is probably my hottest take I've had on this podcast. Um, and one that I like. You know the meme from uh, it's from what was Rapunzel, the Disney movie. I forget the I forget the guy's yeah. name where he's like sitting there and he's kind of like got his chest puffed out and all the swords are at his throat. This is what I'm gonna be him. With all the swords in my throat with this one. But Toyota is the superior truck brand. And I'm and I'm purely talking like regular, like full-size half-ton trucks. So like regular pickups and half-size trucks. So for those that aren't familiar, I'll give you the comps. So the Tundra is the Toyota. That's what I drive. I, I drive a Toyota Tundra. Bias, fair. I think it's superior. Um, my dad drives a Tundra. Um, but the Chevy is the Silverado. The Ford is the F-150, and the Dodge Ram is the 1500, or the Chevy Silverado, Silverado 1500, the Dodge Ram 1500, and the F-150. Okay. Nissan is, I'm, I guess you can throw Nissan in there if you want to, but but Toyota does not make a three-quarter ton truck or equivalent to the F-250. Now, in the half-size models, it's the, the Ford Ranger, the Chevy Avalanche, and the Toyota Tacoma. I'm 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 planting the flag. Toyota is a superior truck brand from a regular like half size like half size truck and full size half ton truck. For most two that Toyota does, they are superior. I have 190. I have I hit 198,000 miles on my truck coming back from work tonight. I've had no issues with that car. I have had like I've replaced the only actual problem I've ever had with that thing, other than like replacing a battery, is I had to replace something in the steering column. And I had something in my – I'm going to forget what it was. It was a while ago. Um, no, it was in the steering column. It was a problem with my starter. It wouldn't start. But literally, like that's it. It's the only problem I've ever had with that truck. 200,000 miles in. Strong. So other than like regular maintenance, you keep the truck up to regular maintenance, they're superior. Um, they can do everything you want every other truck to do. They don't have all these fancy bells and whistles to charge you more. Um, you can get a fully loaded Tundra for like – 60 grand, 70 grand. You can like, you know, you know what a fully loaded F-150 or 1500 costs? Pushing like 80, 90 grand. Fully loaded. Like all the bells was level. Tacoma, also an elite truck. Half size for those that need a smaller vehicle, a little more fuel efficient, if you know what I'm saying. Still get, still get the job done. Still tow, still got the truck bed. Still go to Home Depot and pick up some mulch if you need it in the half, in the half size truck. Still gets the job done. All while getting a little more fuel efficiency. You know what I'm saying? I've thought about it. I've thought about trading my truck in one of these days for a little more fuel efficient as I move and graduate college and a little cut my budget a little bit. Thought about it. I'm just saying Toyota is the most superior truck brand out there. And I'll I'll die on that hill. Like I, I got into this argument with somebody the other day. Big Ford guy. Nah, Toyota is superior. And you can't argue with them either. Like people don't want to hear it. It's not an American made truck. Listen, my Toyota Tundra. 2010 model built in san antonio texas the ford f-150 
Assembled in Mexico. Just saying. Built in Mexico. Maybe it's American engineering. Ain't built in America. Japanese engineering on the Toyota? Built in Texas. Built in the great state of Texas. In San Antonio. That's all I'm saying. I rest rest my case on that right there. I've never had a truck. I drive a 2013 Jeep Wrangler. But um, we're talking about trucks. I like... Toyota, Toyota is always the most reliable in terms of like half size. Tacoma is the best. Facts. But I will say my personal favorite's always been the Silverado, especially the current models. I just like it the most. I think it looks the best. Um, it's one of the more efficient ones out of you know all of them. Obviously, Ford has like the EcoBoost and all of that. Um, but Ram's the worst, the least fuel efficient. Um, I like I'll all the trucks this. actually. I'll give you this. The new Tundras don't look that great. If we're talking like tw- like the 20, my dad is 2018. I'm talking like the 2017s, like 16, 17, 18s, they had the honeycomb grill. Heater. Absolute hitters. Those those were peak like aesthetic for the Toyota. Those look better than the other ones. But now I'll give it to you. Don't love the new grill. Don't love the new body style they did. From a performance standpoint, I'm saying the Toyota, but I'll give it to you. The, the Chevys do look better now um, than, than the Tundras do. I'll give you that much. Right, yeah, I think, but yeah, Tundras definitely looked better like five years ago than they do now. But right now, I'm taking Chevy. I I've always just liked the Silverado the most. If I owned a truck, it would probably be the Chevy. Um, and we'll cl- I will add this in. GMC is just Chevy, but like ten thousand dollars more expensive. So it's the exact, it's literally the exact same truck, just like luxury brand, if you will. So same right. thing. Don't care. Don't care. Right. It, the, C, the the Sierra gets lumped in with the so it's the same truck. We'll keep it pushing. Right. Yeah. Did want to did want to clear that up for the GMC drivers in 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 our and our listeners. My girlfriend's a GMC driver, not a, not a Sierra. GMC car crossover, if you will. But for the GMC drivers out there, it's just a Chevy. I agree. Keep yep. Um, not PG, but there's an acronym for GMC. There is. Uh, many people refer not, it's to. not polit- it's it's not politically correct either. So we don't nope. we don't endorse it, but it, it does exist. It does, yeah. It does exist. Don't endorse it, but it does exist. If you'd like to go look that up on your own, like the Cajun on Butte situation, we don't endorse it, but it's out there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, indeed. It's out there. <laughs> All right, so that's we pretty much hot it in here today, man. We we cranked it up heat. today. But uh, yeah, that was that was one of the better. We cranked it up today. Yeah. For uh, next on the slate for the podcast is the NHL. This week we're gonna have a standings update. Obviously, NBA All Star Weekend just happened, and we're gonna talk about it in next week's episode. But in terms of what we got on the slate this week, is the NHL standings update. We got the East and the West top eight teams in each conference. I'll hit the East. You can do the West, and then we'll move on to golf. So for the East, we have the Florida Panthers. At 29, 25, and 6 with 64 points. In seventh, we have the New York Islanders at 29, 24, and 7 at 65 points. Sixth, we have New York Rangers at 33, 15, and 9 at 75 points. In fifth, we have the Tampa Bay Lightning at 36, 17, and 3, 75 points. In fourth, we have the Toronto Maple Leafs at 35, 15, and 8, and they have 78 points. In third, we have the New Jersey Devils at 37, 15, and 5, 79 points. In second, we have the Carolina Hurricanes at 38, 8, 10, and 8, and they have 84 points. 
And then in first, with the best record in the league by a good bit, the Boston Bruins at 43-8-5 and and 91 points. So uh, you'll see the East is a good bit better than the West right now. And while they're spread pretty equally, the top three teams in the league are all in the East currently. I mean, shoot, you got the top. In terms of points, the top one, two, three, four, five, six teams are in the East. Um, with the leading point scoring team in the West being 73 points, which would slot them at seventh just behind the Rangers, uh, 75. Um, from a record standpoint, it's pretty similar, but I'll get it going from the bottom here with the, the Minnesota Wild at 31, 21, and 5 at 67 points. Uh, same number of points here for the Avalanche, just at 31, 19, and 5 with 67 points. Oilers here, Edmonton Oilers at 31, 19, and 8 at 70 points. Seattle Kraken, a uh, newer team in the league. Uh, new expansion team here lately. Uh, 32, 19, and 6 with 70 points as well. The Kings and the Jets here both have 71 points, kind of getting up here to the top three. Kings being 32, 19, and 7. The Jets just ahead of them at 35, 21, and 1, though they both have 71 points. The Stars sit here in second place at 30, 15, and 12 with 72 points. And the Golden Knights of Las Vegas, another newer team in the NHL, sitting at 73 points at 34, 18, and 5. Leading the pack in the Western Conference, though, like we said, um, they'd be sitting about seventh in the Eastern Conference. So pretty big, uh, you know, point differential from the top to bottom uh, here between the East and the West. Although the Western Conference sitting here at what a six-point differential from first to last, um, you know, whereas the lowest points in the East is lower than the you know, lowest points in the West. But you know, the East also has a far higher point total than the than the West has. So kind of a crazy spread here. Um, not something I think you typically expect, but um, you know, just kind of how it shook out this year. And um, but yeah, I'll kind of kind of keep it going here with the pod, and I'll let you get to golf here, Brett. Um, Genesis Invitational was great. I watched um, I watched a good bit of it on Thursday, Friday. Didn't catch a lot on Saturday, Sunday. Just busy with some other stuff with baseball mostly, um, but caught a good bit on Thursday, Friday. Um, and I'll let you give us the recap here. Yeah, it was a good tournament. Uh, always one of the early ones in the season. Enjoyed watching it. Watched a little bit of every day, probably most on Thursday and some on Sunday. But yeah, this past weekend, um, it was played at the Riviera, Riviera Country Club in Pacific Palisades, California, where the Genesis is always played. Two years ago, it's where Tiger got in his car accident, suffered the leg injury, has you know slowly been climbing back to you know good enough strength to play on PG Tour. I'm not going to say full strength because he you know hasn't been at that in years. Um, but he was playing this event. Um, but in terms of the top of the leaderboard, Tyree did not make it as he finished 16 shots off the winner. Uh, John Rahm won the tourney at 17 under. He shot a 65, 68, 65, and 69, taking home 3.6 mil. A uh, big payday for him and as a part of the inflated purses for the PGA Tour to better compete with the Live Golf Tour, which many PGA players have defected to. Americans took up the next seven spots on the leaderboard. Uh, you know, a really good guy, local Californian, playing one of his home courses in Riviera. Max Homa finished second at 15 under, two shots off of Rom, and Patrick Cantlay finished at 14 under, uh, three shots off of Rom. So overall, pretty competitive event. 17 under is one of the better scores that you're going to see across courses. I think it's mainly just because these guys are so comfortable with Riviera. Tiger Woods did make the cut. Uh, he did make it to the weekend, and he finished tied for 45th at one under. Like I said, 16 shots off the winner in John Rahm. 
He shot a 69, 74, 67, and 73. So two really good rounds and two not-so-great rounds. And unfortunately, the two not-so-great are what kept him out of contention. It looked like after day one, he could be in it down the stretch. Um, shot three over on day two, four under day three, two over on day four. So pretty up and down a uh, week for him. But nonetheless, he made the cut. And I'm sure probably next time we'll see him. We'll be at Augusta for the Masters uh, early April around Easter weekend. And next week... We have the iconic Honda Classic that is played at the PGA National Resort and Spa in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, uh, Southern Florida. A ton of guys live around there, and it's definitely a course a lot of them play pretty regularly when they're not busy on tour. Uh, the event starts tomorrow, and the purse is 8.4 mil, so a good bit smaller than the purse of the Genesis. But nonetheless, a solid purse, um, 16% of, the, of that is what the winner will take home. And last year, Sepp Straka won the event. So obviously this time last year was when some guys were thinking about leaving for the live. So we saw some lower competition in some events. But this year, higher purse, better field. So I think it's going to be a really good event. And I could see better scores in this one as well, similar to this past weekend. Yeah, um, there's a shot of Tiger coming off the uh... – Coming off the course on 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 day four on Sunday, and he looked, man, he looked tired. Um, which I mean, again, he he didn't have a great round, but he had a really good really good day three. Um, but he just looked tired. I think he's just still getting kind of back into it. Um, you talked about how sore his leg was, and just you know the hard part for him was getting up and down the course every day. So I um, mean, we even talked about it last week, kind of leading up to the Genesis. So, um, but really good to see him, you know, put together two really good rounds. Um, kind of. You know, one off, you know, every other day. But again, um, you know, good to see him put together a, what, what was confident was confident what was to me what made me confident in Tiger going forward. You know, maybe con- contending in a tournament here later in the year is that round three was his best round. Right. I mean, I, you know, if he can mitigate the cut the losses on round two and uh, have a good round three and then, you know, get a late tee time on, on for round four, it's like you can see him get a little extra rest and kind of get it going so um you know you, you hate to see him kind of pull himself out of contention but again um one under on the on, on the weekend um and again the great round three uh, really promising stuff from tiger here is kind of we push towards uh into the heart of the pga season here but kind of wraps up golf we'll get into the nfl and we'll touch on one you know smaller piece of news um before we get into our cold seat mini series here with the NFL quarterback carousel. Um, the Tennessee Titans today uh, freed up about $30 million in cap space by cutting former Pro Bowl left tackle uh, and Titans, uh, Tennessee Titans staple the last, what, probably 10 years. Uh, Taylor Luan, along with veterans Robert Woods, uh, wide receiver that they signed this past offseason, and Randy Bullock, uh, place kicker for them this year, um, freed up about 30 mil. I know that uh, Luan and Woods is about 27 and a half, and then Bullock was in there two and a half. So, um, you know, for those that don't know, don't know Taylor Lewan, um, co-host of Bustin' with the Boys podcast, one of the one of the better, one of the more popular um, podcasts out there, in kind of the sports world. Um, him and uh, Will Compton are co-hosts, former teammates on the Tennessee Titans. Um, you know, Taylor had been kind of openly talking about. He's like, "Hey, I'm getting cut. Just so y'all know, I'm getting cut. Like they they are going to cut me." He said this. What did he blew? He blew his ACL like what week four, something like that, pretty early on. Since then, he was like, yeah, I'm getting cut. Like, we all know it. So 
Um, not one that I was super surprised about. I mean, $14 million plus in savings. It was a 14-3 or something like that. I don't know the exact number, but it was, it was just over 14, but under $15 million, um, in cap savings to cut Taylor. And, um, you know, for a left tackle that really hadn't played a lot of games for in the last three seasons, um, it's tough. So I think Taylor lands somewhere. I mean, maybe he wants to hang it up. I remember, um, you know, he was in, you know, busting with the boys did a, did a bunch of stuff. You know, they're they're signed with Barstool um sports and so they were doing a bunch of stuff with the barstool guys um you know more like the, the barstool corpse like big cat uh portnoy those guys um down in arizona for the super bowl and um one of like their like little behind the scenes deals when they were down there taylor said he was like 272 right now which is like 60 pounds lighter than what he plays at he plays at like 320 330 so and he's, he's like 6'7 he's a big dude he's 6'7 so he's not like he's short um he plays at about 330 320 so he might hang him up. I think he's strongly considering it, but I think if he doesn't, there's absolutely a market for him to go play. Pardon me. To go play on a team this year. I think the easy ones, the Chicago Bears with all the cap they have. I don't think Taylor's going to require any sort of, you know, massive contract. I think, um, you know, what, what his play level was at when he was healthy the last couple of years um, is not reflective of $14 million, I don't believe. So we'll kind of see where Taylor lands. Um, Robert Woods is interesting. I think. You know, what first comes to mind for me is what what is he going to command in the market? Obviously, it's not going to be a ton of money, I don't think. But, you know, what is he going to command for a team? Because I think, I mean, for me, I immediately thought, like, man, like the Chargers, if they really do move on from Keenan Allen, which, like, I hate to say this, it's a real possibility. Um, You know, Robert Woods would be a great replacement for him as a veteran presence in the room to kind of when they do – they would have to – I mean, they would be pigeonholing themselves to drafting a receiver in the first round if they move on from Keenan. But I think Robert Woods would be somebody they could have in that room to kind of supplement the veteran presence and kind of the savviness that Keenan has. I just – I wouldn't love it. I just – my mind went to, like, that's this is obviously an option, not something I'm advocating for, but something I recognize as, an, as it as would be an, an interesting option for the for the front office to kind of think about. Um but yeah, no, and then Randy Bullock, obviously, I, I think he's going to hang it up. He's been in the league a long time, so. Um, but no, definitely, you know, Lawan, uh, Robert Woods, Randy Bullock, those three guys getting cut. Um, obviously, they can go land elsewhere. But um, interesting to kind of see what Lawan and Bullock do in terms of you know the remainder of their playing career, and then Robert Woods, kind of where he lands um, in this receiver landscape. That's a weak free agent class, a pretty weak draft class overall. So, be curious to see where um, you know these three guys kind of land here in the next uh, month or so. Yeah, for sure. I think this was a move everyone saw coming for the Titans. If you didn't see it coming, you don't follow football that closely. Um, you know, whether they were going to release others, who, whether they were going to release, you know, Robert Woods or Randy Bullock, uh, both of them, neither of them, along with Taylor Luan, I don't think anybody knew for sure, but I think everyone knew that Luan was for sure being going to be one of the guys that was going to be cut this offseason. You know, saving 17 mil and cap just from him. I think they saved 12 from Woods and four from Bullock. So they went from about 25 in the red to, you know, six in the green. So they do have space to work with now. Obviously, going to still need to restructure some guys. I think Tannehill has a 37 mil cap hit. We have a couple other guys. I think Byard is like, pretty high i think he's second or third on the team obviously harold landry just signed his contract last year i think his hit is about 19 mil 
Bud Dupree, I think, is like 26 or something. Um, so some crazy cap hits on the Titans. Nonetheless, they can do a lot more to open up room. I think Derrick Henry is going to be a part of that rebuild. I can see a ton of pieces moving, but I think he is the one guy that I don't see really moving. Interesting thing I saw today uh, regarding the Titans was that they pretty frantically signed, um, not frantically, but they definitely went out of their way to sign Julio Jones. Uh, They drafted Traylon Burks, obviously, early last year, and they signed uh, Robert Woods as well. And those two guys ended up making more money than A.J. Brown did this past season. And A.J. Brown far surpassed the production of Jones and Woods combined. A.J. Brown said in a uh, podcast that he would have taken, because he signed that four-year, $100 million deal with the Eagles, 25 annual average per year, even though that's hardly what people go off of nowadays for contracts. Um, He said he would have taken 22 annually from Tennessee. So a three-mil pay cut to stay with Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee was, I guess, thinking different for some reason. Um, A.J. never really had a star season that he had this past season in Philly in Nashville. but yeah, it's a really weird scenario there that I saw on Twitter, uh, kind of how everything worked out with the Titans. But nonetheless, another team that needs to rebuild and build up that wide receiver room uh, behind first-round pick Traylon Burks out of Arkansas. So just something interesting I saw today. But Yeah. I mean, it really is when you think about it. Like, they paid those two vets a lot of money to do literally nothing. Um, so, yeah, that's um, – I saw the same tweet you did. It was, I believe, it was from Brad from PFF. Um, God's a salary cap wizard. He knows he's the best in contract projection. So if you guys are looking for that stuff in the next few weeks for free, just go check him out on Twitter. But yeah, I mean, I think it's um, is it a it's half a byproduct. Over half of it's a byproduct of just that offense is just bad. I mean, across I take away Derrick Henry, there's nobody on that offense. It's like league average replacement. You know what I mean? Like Luan goes down. He was probably a top 16 left tackle. Like I would have given him that. But outside of Luan. And then take away Derrick Henry. There's nobody on that offense who's like, man, I really want to have that guy. You know what I mean? I mean, Burks maybe, but I'm saying from like a like a this season standpoint, like tomorrow. You want him to play football for you tomorrow. Is Ryan Tannehill a, a top 16 option at quarterback? No, I don't think so anymore. Maybe he's fringe. But in terms of an average replacement, I don't think there's anybody on that offense that was that was an average replacement outside of, again, take away Derrick Henry and take away what LeJuan could have done for him all year. Those two guys, and one of them just got cut. So it's just, I don't know, man. It, the, the offense is overall bad. I think that they've compounded that with some poor, you know, the roster decisions um, and front office decision making. But, um, you know, nonetheless, that they're still in a division that they have a chance to compete in. Um, you know, they have to get quarterback right and kind of get the offense turned around, which obviously they, they have, you know, fired their offense. They have a whole new offense coordinator in there, and um, hopefully they can turn it around for them. But, um, while we're on kind of the topic of front office decision making, we'll get to this quarterback carousel mini series. We're starting this week, starting with the Baltimore Ravens, Brett's Baltimore Ravens, and Lamar Jackson. Um, what what we both once thought would be an afterthought is now. I mean, we're here. We have to have the conversation now. Rather, than, I didn't. I didn't think we'd ever get here personally. Like, I never thought we'd be here. What Feb twenty two, thinking like, man, Lamar's getting moved. And it's a legitimate possibility, right? So um, I'm going to let you kick it off and um, kind of charge this full steam ahead here with the Ravens since uh, 
you know I'm better than I do and better than most, uh, you know, 99% of everybody else. So I'm going to let you uh, get it going here and um, start off our miniseries with the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson. What are we doing at quarterback? What's what's the deal? Yeah, this is a scenario that I've thought honestly hours about. Um, don't really know what's going to happen even to this point, and I feel like I have every insider tip I could possibly that's possibly ever been leached to the public. I'm on it normally about this, especially there really hasn't been much. The Ravens have been more focused on surrounding their offensive staff or completing their offensive staff, surrounding new offensive coordinator Todd Munkin, who they acquired from Georgia. It helped win them back-to-back national titles. Um, a side note, it does seem like they're wanting to make moves to keep Lamar to possibly lower his asking price because it's been reported multiple times that he wanted a fully guaranteed contract likely in the realm of four to six years is what we're looking at in terms of a timeline. So that if he wanted to lead the league in average annual per year salary, the leader right now is currently Aaron Rodgers at 50.272 mil annually. So Lamar would want at least 50.3, likely 51 or more, which I think is perfectly reasonable. Honestly, I I wrote down a ton of contracts. I don't know. This was about a month ago. Uh, let me see if I can find the spreadsheet that I kind of made on the fly. So if he didn't want fully guaranteed, I'll kind of go on a tangent with his contract and then I'll get into trade uh, ideas. If he was fine without fully guaranteed money, obviously Deshaun Watson is fully guaranteed at five years, 230 mil, 46 annually. The next highest guaranteed percentage is Kyler Murray at 82.21% guaranteed. Obviously, ugly contract, not a top 10 quarterback. He's making 46.1 annually. It is, I think, four years, 189.5 mil. And then you look at third. So Watson's first 100, Kyler's second at 82%. You look at third in guarantees, it's Dak at 78.75. He's making 40 annually. Fourth, you have to go all the way down to Russ at 67.35. So, and Rodgers is 67.24. So both those guys are practically the same. Rodgers and Russ signed ridiculous deals not even a year ago in the same offseason last March. And while they're making two of the highest annually paid salaries at Russ is 49 and Rodgers is just under 50.3, like I just mentioned. It is crazy that Lamar wants a fully guaranteed contract because of the Deshaun situation where Rodgers and Russ are making, they're guaranteed two-thirds of the total money in their contract. This includes incentives. This includes whatever, you know, signing bonus, all of it. Um, so if Lamar did want to have a fully guaranteed contract, I think five years, 252 mil would give him fully guaranteed It'd be 50.4, so he'd be number one in the league. And I think that's that would be good enough to get it done if he was fine without going fully guaranteed. If he wanted to be second in the league ahead of Kyler and behind just Deshaun, he could go five years, 255, which is 51 annually. It'd be 211 mil, 650,000 total, uh, and that would be 83% guaranteed, so just ahead of Kyler's 82.21%. He wanted to be 90%. He could have five years, 252 at 226.8 total. And 
just another five years, 252. If he wanted to make 50.4, that'd be five years, 252 would be 231 mil guaranteed at 91.67%. That's just a round number. I didn't figure 91.67% had any significance. It's just, it was a round even mil. So I uh, wrote that as a proposal. But those are basically the four main contract proposals I have thought of that I think will get the job done. Obviously, if he's stuck on fully guaranteed money, I think a trade is imminent, um, which we're going to get into here. Obviously, I think Lamar is a top five quarterback. I think he's definitely one of the most valuable players in the league. If you take him off the Ravens, as good as their defense was the last 15, 14 weeks of the season, especially after the first nine weeks when they got Roquan Smith from the Bears, they still don't win more than eight games, I don't think. And that could be being generous, even eight. Obviously, we saw when Lamar went down for the past six games in both 2021 and 22, they were right there at the end of every game, but they just could not close the games out. And whether that was due to the play calling or to the miscommunications or the mis-execution by players, um, that's stuff that normally does not happen when Lamar is on the field. Um, unfortunately, it's tough to see what's going to happen with Lamar right now. I mean, I could see a trade tomorrow and not be surprised. I could see extension tomorrow and not be surprised. While the negotiations are ongoing, and they have been since the season concluded about a month ago, um, a month and a half ago, really, I don't think that I can confidently say that he's going to be a Raven next season. Obviously, the Ravens have 26 mil, almost even, in cap space right now, which is ninth in the league. And I think it would be smart to sign him long term right now. Uh, they've already waited longer than they should have. I think Lamar wanted to wait as well. So it wasn't necessarily solely on the front office uh, that they waited this long. I believe Lamar, the reports of him wanting a fully guaranteed contract are probably true. Just knowing him, I don't know if he's going to bring down the asking price. Um, of what he demands and what he believes he is valued at. I think hopefully if we see another QB like Hertz or Burrow or Herbert signed before him and it's not fully guaranteed, I think that'll kind of open his eyes. Uh, so I am rooting for one of those guys to sign first, whereas while it might be more annual per year to beat out one of those guys, uh, the fact that it won't be fully guaranteed will be nice and that it'll be easier to negotiate from that standpoint. Now, franchise tag is always an option. Like I mentioned, you have the non-exclusive and the exclusive. The exclusive is the average salary of the top five players at that position on the start of free agency. So if something happens, that number could change, but right now it's about 45 mil. Obviously, like I said, the Ravens have 26, so they have to free up 19 mil in space just to fit Lamar's tag. So obviously, a ton of restructures would have to happen if Lamar were to be tagged as every team is required to be under the cap by the time free agency begins on March 15th at 4, 3 p.m. Central. I think right now I would say it's looking like Lamar's going to be tagged. Um, I don't, however, think he will play on the tag, thus is going to result in him being traded. I don't know where he would be traded. I am 90% sure it would be to the NFC, not only because from a competitive standpoint, not wanting to play in the AFC, 
because the NFC is going to offer better trade packages as well. The AFC is far better off with quarterbacks. Teams aren't wanting to shell out picks and money for quarterbacks um, when they have a lot of draft capital. And I think you're going to find a lot of those teams in the NFC. Um, so if the Ravens do tag Lamar Jackson before we get into a few trade proposals, I do think he's going to be traded. I don't think he can be on the tag this season. It's going to be terrible for the cap of the Ravens, let alone if he doesn't even play. So I think if he's tagged, he's going to be traded before the draft so the Ravens can accumulate picks for this draft and begin kind of a, not a rebuild because they already have a really good roster, uh, especially on defense, but kind of a re, like a restart. They're going to kind of implement this new offense offensive system with a new offensive coordinator, and that's obviously going to depend on the personnel he has on offense and whether it's Lamar or not behind the center. Uh, I think it's going to be exciting next year to watch the offense. So, yeah, really, to me, the two options are Lamar's either going to sign a long-term contract four to six years and play and do whatever he can to stay healthy, or he's going to be tagged and traded before April 27th. I'm going to say before April, because with the newly acquired picks, the Ravens are going to need time to scout and make their board and stuff like that based off the picks that they have. They can't make the trade, you know, four days before the draft, whereas they need to project who they want to take. Um, So Lamar's going to sign a long-term deal, or he's going to be traded by April. Um, You heard it here first. That's what I think is going to happen based off everything I've heard. I think I've heard about everything that's come out to the public. But now, now that I've gotten that out of the way, obviously long-term deal. I mentioned those, the four or five long-term deals that I had thought out based off guarantee percentages. Now we have to think about who would want Lamar Jackson on their football team uh, and who does it make the most sense for them to go acquire Lamar. You look at last year, Deshaun Watson was traded for by the Browns. Two other front runners for Deshaun were the Carolina Panthers and the Atlanta Falcons, two NFC South teams. And in this week's cold seat miniseries, I have broken down four trade packages for four potential suitors. They are all in the NFC and they all have top 10 picks, which will be big for the Ravens. I know they covet picks more than anybody in the or anybody in the NFL. So first, I'm going to talk about two teams that aren't really front runners for Lamar, but I could see it. It's a long shot, kind of a dark horse team, a couple dark horse teams and a couple front runner teams. This is, again, if Lamar is tagged and traded and not signed to a deal. First, we're going to start with the Bears. Obviously, if you've been following the podcast or know anything about the draft coming up, the Bears do have the number one overall pick. And I think if you're the Bears, the Bears are really the only team that can offer you their quarterback as a part of the package. So for the Bears, I have the number one pick, their 64th pick, which is a late second, and Justin Fields. That's a pretty good value. Maybe make that 64 a fourth, or no, a third, excuse me, as they have 103. So maybe he's changed that 64 to 103. I don't think this is a package that is proposed. I don't think the Bears are wanting to trade Fields. I think all those reports have been smoke screens for to try to up the asking price so they can trade down and acquire more capital than, you know, than initially thought of. But yeah, I'll let you touch on the Bears and whatever you think with Lamar first, and then we'll just kind of talk about each one of these teams, what we could see happening, and what they could offer. 
Yeah. Um, so I'll get in real quick. I'll touch on Lamar and the whole contract in real quick. I will. I've got a a project I'm working on. I've been working on for a while. Um, basically compiling salary cap data and end goals to get, you know, um, statistical analysis run on it and kind of produce an output of, of a couple of different, uh, you know, aggregate numbers I want to kind of um, get out of it. But um, in that, I've got a, I've got the list of top 10 teams who spent on quarterbacks this year. Uh, it's from 10 to 1. It's Dallas, San Fran, Indy, Baltimore, which was the fifth-year option for Lamar, Green Bay, Detroit, Washington, Minnesota, Kansas City, Tennessee. Now, some teams missing with high-end quarterbacks, Chargers, Bengals, uh, Jaguars, Eagles, all quarterbacks on rookie deals that have not signed extensions. Three of those teams likely signing a quarterback extension this offseason that's going to reset the market one after another, including Lamar Jackson's deal in there as well. Now, other teams you've got in there with high-end quarterbacks, Buffalo Bills, Arizona Cardinals. Kyler is a, a newly signed guy. And then, and then the Denver Broncos is reason to sign a contract. So those three teams in there, I lumped in there with either high-end quarterbacks that have not taken the cap hit yet with an extension or newly signed extensions in the last few years. So Buffalo is going to be fourth next year in, in, in spending right now. As of, as of right now, before anything's – which, I mean, the four quarterbacks that are going to sign extensions or the three plus – the three, the four I mentioned outside of outside of the Ravens and, and Lamar um, – they, neither of those teams are going to accrue massive cap hits next year. So they won't. They won't push that number. I don't know what Lamar's would look like, but I doubt he would push that number either. So Buffalo will be fourth next year. They're below this year. Arizona and Denver both newly signed deals. Their ugly cap hits don't come into play until 2024. So um, you know there are ways, and I, I want to say this to provide some context. You don't have to spend on quarterback to be one of the best teams in the NFL. Obviously. The rookie quarterback's the way to go with all four of those teams that I mentioned, um, you know, with quarter made, made the playoffs. Uh, one went to a Super Bowl, one went to a, um, a, a common championship game and lost on a last second field goal. So obviously rookie quarterbacks is kind of the way to go um, in terms of building a roster in the most efficient manner. But I mean, obviously Kansas City six out of the Super Bowl winner at number two. But, um, you know, Mahomes is one of one. Tennessee was at one. They were they were terrible. Washington's at four. They were terrible. Detroit's at five. They were, they were okay. Green Bay's at six. Indy's at eight. They were terrible. So quarterback spending doesn't always equal quarterback like team success. That said, you have to have a quarterback to be successful. Um, you know, we saw what happened to the Niners. They thought they saw a real defense and K, they folded because they didn't have a quarterback. So granted, I mean, we didn't get to see him with the whole quarterback for the whole game. But again, they didn't have a quarterback that lost. So got to have a quarterback, but um, there are ways to take those cap hits on in a better manner, um, or especially early on in the contract when you're trying to kind of balance that that aspect of, um, you know, eating the quarterback hit in the, in the future and, and kind of working with deals. You've got expensive cap hits on the, on, on the books for other positions. Um, but in terms of Chicago, um, you know, I, I, it's interesting. I, Here's my thing with Chicago. They are in the NFC, and getting Lamar Jackson will be great. Yes, I question the coaching in Chicago. I don't. I don't know if Matt Eberflus is the guy. And I'd like to point at the Chargers as a great example with Justin Herbert, who 
is on the same level. They're him and Lamar are in the same echelon, right? I think they're both top five quarterbacks. They're not they're not Mahomes, but they are firmly top five quarterbacks. But those two guys. The Chargers team around Justin Herbert, namely the defense, was terrible this year and last year and his rookie year. The whole team was bad his rookie year. The O-line was pretty good last year. They were okay this year with the injuries. Obviously, the skill talent was really banged up all year. And the defense was was bad. They were hurt. They were, they, they you know, underperformed. Um, so w- w- when I look at Chicago, that's maybe the one of the that's one of the a bottom three roster in football. Like the fact that I'm saying a rookie and as good as as good as Jalen Carter is, the fact that I boldly said and I feel very I, like, I don't think this is a very this isn't even a hot take in my opinion. If Jalen Carter is on the Bears right now, he's the best player, best player on the team. I don't think that's a hot take. That's a bad. That's terrible for that team. I don't think they're in a position to go get Lamar and what Lamar's play style is like. And the I mean. Frankly, he'd be going to one of the only teams in the NFL that has a worse skill group around him than in Baltimore. And the Baltimore receivers were, at, were were horrible. You'd be the first to say it. Chicago's maybe the only team in football with a worse skill group around him when you add in the running backs and tight ends. Right? So I think that's bad. The offensive line is astronomically worse. The defense is horrendous. So I just don't know. I, I think they need to keep Fields and say we're going to roll with him in the NFC. Let's hope we can get out of it with, and, and we're going to use one. Or I think there's their best thing to do is trade back to four, take the blue chip talent in Carter or Anderson, and then make their other picks and load up on talent. That's my thought. But you know I'm I'm not saying Ryan Poles is a genius either. So if they want to go get Lamar Jackson, I'm shoot power to them. I just don't think that's, I think they could be potentially long, long run, more successful sticking it out with fields and getting elite talent around a really good quarterback. I, who I, cause I think Justin Fields is going to be a good quarterback. I think he's going to be really good. I don't think he's going to be Lamar, but I think with what you're, would you, you'd be paying Lamar and giving up the capital. I just don't trust them to make that successful. You know what I mean? So I just, I don't know. I also think that they could be moving on from Justin Fields in another in a few years. Like, what? I'd rather just reset if I need to. I'd rather have elite. Like, look look at the Niners, right? Like, I'd rather have the elite talent around my quarterback and then find a guy who's above average as opposed to an MVP if the rest of my team's really good. So, I mean, obviously, I'm not going to knock the team for getting getting a, you know a franchise quarterback. I just I question if the Bears can do it. In terms of like, can they get the talent around Lamar to make it work? You can't just have a quarterback. It's especially, oh, and I hate to say this, dude, because I love Lamar. He's such a good dude. He does everything right. He he's such a a good role model for the next generation. He's such a good he's such a good dude. But he's injury. I, I'm gonna slap the potentially injury prone label on him because of his play style and the fact that he's played what 11 games the last two years. I, I can't bet that I can't bet the house and the rental property on Lamar. I can't bet everything. You know, I can't bet the house and the and, and the 401k. I can bet one or the other. I can pay him, but I can't. That's my thing. Is if I'm the Bears with like the Falcons, I can kind of see it because they've got some pieces in place 
it's like, all right, I'm going to bet that Lamar with Drake London, Kyle Pitts, a younger offensive line that I've infused with young talent the last couple of years. I've got A.J. Terrell on defense. I, I still believe in – I just, you know, I don't know. I don't love – same thing with, like, the Lions on here, uh, you, you know, or another team that's been talked about that I like a lot. Um, and there's other teams we can t- we're going to talk about, but it's like – I just don't know if if Chicago is a team that I'm gonna go. I'm gonna bet. I'm gonna bet all of it. I'm gonna bet that Lamar can do it on his own. For a guy that's gonna give you what 12 games? I don't know. How do, how does how does he look long term health wise? I don't know. That, that that's why this is so dangerous for for Chicago. I think. Right. I agree 100. percent I think they should go the way you've been talking uh, about. You know, Keevan Fields riding with it, surrounding him with talent, building up that personnel group. I think that's a smart move for them, and that's why I labeled the Bears as a dark horse team, um, yeah, yeah. just in terms of like a swap of quarterbacks along with a pick and stuff like that. Which, team, which for the Ravens? Which for the? Let's be honest, that's the best deal for the Ravens, hundred percent. You get you get one and Fields. Shoot, get Jalen Carter on that defense or trade down. Right. And you get just let's it that'd be highway robbery for the Ravens, highway robbery. But like I you would, said, dark yeah, horse I mean, for a reason. They trade down to four, and he goes to one, gets their quarterback, and it's looking like a really good package. Uh, but the next team that we're going to talk about here, second of four NFC teams, another dark horse team is the Detroit Lions, and they're picking at six overall. So a proposed package for Lamar, I have six, 18, 48, and next year's first. So that's about what I think Lamar's going to command, either three first and a second or four first if there's a bidding war. Um, I mean, a, when you really think about it, a player who won MVP three years ago, who plays the way he does, really hasn't been traded. So it's kind of weird to see this. It's kind of interesting to see what kind of return he would get, or the Ravens would get for him. Um, yeah, the Detroit Lions are a team where they have pieces. You know, they have St. Brown, they have a few other guys, obviously, um, what's his name? Jamal Williams had a really good season this past season. Uh, while I think he's a free agent, he's always a guy that could return. Dan Campbell's a good coach. They have guys on that defense. They have a lot of young guys. Um, I mean, they have a good team, and they were really close to making the playoffs. I mean, they were right in at week 18. And if Seattle lost, they were in the playoffs. So you look at the Lions as another dark horse team because, obviously, Jared Goff, played good this year uh, he did well enough to give them a chance in week 18 but obviously he's not Lamar Jackson and I think this package could be presented uh, it gives the Ravens the most picks this year out of anyone that'll present a package in 6 18 and 48 I think the Ravens would like this package obviously if there's a bidding war packages would increase in value Nonetheless, another dark horse team that has an early pick in the NFC. Uh, I had to tab them as a potential candidate for Lamar Jackson's future, honestly. Yeah, um, I mean, the Lions, they're so con- they could go so many different ways. And this is a team we're going to talk about a lot with, with quarterbacks. Um, you know, again, a team that I, I don't know if this is a move they'd make. Um, I, again, they're kind of a dark horse for a reason, right? I mean. I think if you look at that roster, they were, frankly, a, a Rams-Seahawks game away from going to the playoffs this year, right? So um, I really like what Dan Campbell's got going on there. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know what their salary cap looks like. Frankly, we threw this together last minute, so I did not go look at their cap before I, we did this. Um, I can pull it up right now, but I do know that they've got a lot of young talent on the team. Um, you know, namely Amonor St. Brown, Penesul, Aiden Hutchinson, uh, you know, kind of being the biggest names. Um, they have 16 mil, it looks like. So they could stomach it this year. Now, what is the, what's their fi- well, let me see, I'm, I'm, spot track's loaded, loading right now? What's their multi-year summary right now? I mean, they could do it. They could definitely do it. I mean, this is a yeah. team that, I mean, like, I, I don't know if from, like, a like a defensive talent, like, they need a lot of help defensively. Like, Jeff Okuda's not been, not been the player they thought he would. He thought he'd be for them when they drafted him at third overall. Frankly, my biggest, um, I'll, I'll, eat, I'll take it on the chin. My, my biggest miss is as a, an evaluator, I remember talking to you, be like, man, I think Jeff Okuda is like a top five corner. Like I, I thought Jeff Okuda would do what Sauce Garner did. And I thought that would be like, he'd be a generational guy, like type of like rookie year. Like this year is going to surpass everyone else's. I thought that would be Okuda based upon his tape at Ohio State. Um, obviously it wasn't. He's dealt with a lot of injury. Um, and he's, he had a solid rookie year. I just don't know if it's he's ever going to be what they thought he would be. Um, they need a lot of help. Obviously Kirby Joseph's been solid for them, but They've got to get better elsewhere, you know. So, um, while giving up the capital would suck, I could see the lines going, hey, we're in the NFC. Let's let's do it. Uh, let's see what we can do here. Let's make some noise. So, I, I could get behind the lines. I think the more I – could, I could talk – like, I talked myself way out of the Bears. I could sit here and talk myself into the lines doing it, and I won't spend as near I, – I went off on a huge tangent last time. With the Bears, and I took a little, I got a little wordy, but I could talk myself into the Lions doing it. I don't know if for 6, 18, 48 in a first next year, I think that's probably too much. But I, th- I think they'd want to keep 18. Or th- they're keeping one, eight, one of 18 or the, or the pick next year. They would try and probably do like a second and then a third or something. They'd, they'd figure something else out or they'd send a player. Um, you know, maybe like like one of their like Jonah Jackson, one of their guards. I can see them sending a guard over. Um, they've got a, a, I mean, all five of their starters are all on the offensive line are great. So I, I could see them doing that maybe, um, or even the or even sending it to their second they got from Minnesota over. Um, wouldn't shock me there either. But I think they're going to want to keep one of their picks, 18 or or, or the, 20, the first next year, likely going to be 18. They want to keep. Um, if they think they're picking higher than 18 next year, which they certainly should be if they're getting Lamar. But this is what I could talk myself into for sure. I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, shoot, you get Lamar behind that offensive line, those receivers. I really like Jameson Williams in year two. Obviously, they need to replace Hawkinson, but I like Amonra. I like Jamo, and they I like DJ Chark as a compliment to that group. Obviously, they could add to the group, but I, I think this would be a great option, actually. Yeah. yeah, I think Detroit is obviously a team that hasn't been talked about as much as the next two teams we're going to talk about before we end it with our ice bath. Um, but Detroit, obviously, he wanted to go to Florida, so this would be contradicting that. Um, I think in terms of trade value, the Lions could, you know, bid with anybody. They have 105 mil in cap in 2024 offseason uh, or 2024 season. And what did I say, like 18 this year or something 16. around there? 
16. Yeah, I mean, so. they, have en- they have enough to make it work, put it that way. Make it make some restructures and some cuts, and they can backload that deal with guarantees. Yeah, they could definitely make it work. Um, regardless of what the package is, I think that would definitely be an option. I think Lamar would like it. I think they have the weapons, like you said, to make it work. Uh, but the next team we we're talking about in these last two teams are not dark horses. These are front runners, as they were for Deshaun Watson, like I said. They were likely going to be bidding against each other if Lamar is on the trade block. Uh, I do not know if he is right now or not. Is assume that he is. First one is going to be, I think, the most likely one in the Atlanta Falcons. Right next to Florida. I think he'll like the whole vibe of Atlanta, the city, all of that. I think trading 8-44 and the next two first or next year's first and second would get it done. Uh, And Lamar going to Atlanta solely. I like this trade package. It has good picks. The picks aren't close to the Ravens picks. In a good spot, they can obviously trade back from eight, or if they want a guy at eight, they can sit and pick. While I wouldn't have a quarterback, obviously what you want to do first before you trade your star quarterback is figure out a backup plan. Is it going to be the draft? Is it going to be something in-house? Or is it going to be free agency? And I think a lot of teams you see get bit pretty bad by not having a backup plan when they either lose a star quarterback or trade him. So I think they obviously will run front office. I think they will have a backup plan. I don't know what it is. There's a ton of different scenarios that it could be. But I like the Falcons' uh, trade proposals a lot. I find myself doing those the most in mock drafts that I'm doing with Lamar being traded. You look at the Falcons' picks, all of their picks this year, 8, 44, 75, 110 are the early ones. So you could do 8, 44, 75, and then next year's first and second. That could get it done. And they could, you know, offer as many picks – in this year's draft is the line. So a lot of ways it could go, but I definitely think the Falcons are another team that has pieces in place, similar to the Lions, very equally, actually. Um, and they're just a quarterback away from being a playoff team in the NFC. I think with Lamar, with a weak division that has nobody at quarterback right now, they would no doubt be division favorites. They would, I mean, they could win a playoff game as soon as next year with Lamar. They have the weapons out wide. They have a good O-line. They have pretty pretty good defense, like you said, with A.J. Terrell. Uh, they have a couple other guys. But this would make sense. This is not a dark horse team. This is a team that would shell out the money. They have the cap space. It's just a matter of do they want to do it or do they want to ride with the extended rebuild, see how it goes this year. Because they have 56 mil in cap this offseason, they could easily make it work and still have 20 mil to work with and add guys around Lamar. You give Lamar a 36 mil cap hit, that's about what I'd expect if you re-signed with the Ravens. So I could see it. It makes a lot of sense for Atlanta. They have the highest cap space other than the Bears out of the teams on this list. So put Atlanta down as the front runner from me, or my pick as a front runner. And I definitely think if he doesn't sign with the Ravens, that there's a pretty good chance this will be a Falcon next season. Falcons are, I mean, if I was betting money on it, they'd be my bet. Frankly, I mean, you know, they are they 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 were they they had 
Deshaun Watson until the the, the Browns were going to guarantee all the money. So, um, you know, I'd be picking Atlanta as the favorite. Um, I think you, you make a good point. They're very similar to what Detroit offers you. Um, I, I will play devil's advocate just for the sake of the conversation. I think while the division is far easier to go to, um, the coaching – like I think Arthur Smith, I mean, this is La- Arthur Smith's last year in Atlanta. I think. Unless they do get Lamar Jackson, I I don't think he's there a lot more than this year. And I question their like like if like well if Lamar goes to Detroit, Ben Johnson or is it Ben or Brian Johnson? I think it's Brian. The Lions OC, first name starts with the B, last name Johnson, Wizard. That dude is an offensive guru. Lamar would put put up some numbers. I I question the again. I'm trying to play devil's advocate. I I question the scheme and the stability of the staff in Atlanta for Lamar. And while they are certainly the front runners in my opinion, I just I bring this I bring this kind of to compare to Detroit. Um, I, I think Dan Campbell is 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 an absolute stud of a head coach i think there's something to be said for a guy like that that's a leader of men and that can lead the way that he does um it's definitely not arthur smith from what it sounds like um you know i'm sure arthur's a great guy but i just what what it's kind of come and come out of atlanta the past two years it didn't sound like arthur's just really that dude um not that guy pal um but i do i do like the upside of the weapons better than i like the upside of the weapons in detroit uh, I think Kyle Pitts has the potential to be why he hasn't been utilized this way. I don't know yet, but has the potential to be an absolute freak. Um, Drake London's also really, really talented. Um, I just wonder the O-line's obviously, you know, a good bit worse in Atlanta. Um, just from like a Lamar Jackson standpoint, obviously it's, it's, you know, he wants to be in the South in a warmer climate, which I think he's been made apparent, um, you know, wants to be in Florida first and foremost. I don't know if the Bucks are an option for him. I, we didn't, uh, we can talk about them later when we get to a box conversation, but I just don't know if they are an option, frankly. Um, but I think, it, you know, Atlanta is also obviously a warmer climate in Georgia. Um, but yeah, definitely a team that I think is the front runner. And, and frankly, if Lamar's not a Raven, I'd be betting on him being a Falcon. Um, I will throw in here real quick. Well, before I let you get to go this last team quickly, what happens to Jared Goff? If Lamar's are his out is next year. The out in his contract, he's got a. I mean, he you could save twenty million by cutting him this year, but I think you do yourself a disservice. I think, I don't know. Maybe you just cut him and I don't know, or you trade maybe. golf. Maybe maybe you maybe you trade golf in a in a in a simultaneous move with getting Lamar. Maybe you send golf, or maybe you send golf to Baltimore. All right. Hear me out. Because I haven't talked about this, and I'll and I'll let you I'll throw this in here to segue to the next team, and we can kind of round about back on this point to finish it up. And I mentioned this to you before we started the pod today to kind of spark this conversation we wanted to have on the pod about the Ravens and Lamar and this quarterback carousel. What do the Ravens do at quarterback without Lamar? If they're not going to draft one, do you go the veteran route? And I and I off and I threw out there Hendon Hooker, veteran plus Hendon Hooker. Do they do they throw Goff in there instead of giving up another pick? Do they throw Goff in there instead of like a third? Or maybe they kind of work it out where like, hey, we're gonna throw Goff in, 
and we're going to give you guys like a second and a fourth instead of a first. You know what I mean? Um, that allows Baltimore to ride with a veteran presence next year. A guy who I think is highly underrated. I think Goff's a, an average quarterback. He's fine. He's a solid quarterback. He's not elite, but he's he's solid. Um, better than Ryan Tannehill, like I was talking about earlier. The average replacement, better than Tannehill. Um, right. So, you know, do you ride with that and go with Hendon Hooker? I don't know. What happens with Goff? Kind of a nuance we kind of forgot about that kind of got lost in, in the shuffle. But I'll let you get to this last team, and then we can run about back on this whole what do the Ravens do without him options. Um, we'll let you ride with kind of – swing back to that once we get to this last team here for sure um the final team the fourth and final we're going to talk about out of the nfc that could be suitors for lamar the team picking after the panther or after the after the falcons in the draft and in a division <laughs> um with the falcons spoiler spoiler <laughs> it's the carolina panthers <laughs> they have um the ninth pick this year as opposed to the falcons eighth pick I think if the Panthers wanted Lamar, they're looking at 9, 39, 61, a first and a second, I think would do it because they're going to likely be bidding with uh, Atlanta if they are bidding. I think Atlanta's going to bid regardless. It's going to be who's going to compete with them. I think Carolina's going to have to up their package. If they do want um, Lamar, you know, so – 939-93, I think, would be good along with the first two picks next year. Carolina's another team that has good weapons. They obviously just traded McCaffrey this past season. And they have DJ Moore. They have a couple other guys. They don't have a quarterback at all, similar to the Falcons. I mean, even more so than the Falcons. They're looking for a quarterback. Baker didn't really work this past season. Um, Matt Corral was injured the whole season. And Tim Darnold just is not a below average quarterback. He's in the F tier. And they need a quarterback answer, especially this is their time to be aggressive. As weak as the division is, it'll never be this week again. This offseason is the weakest division we've seen in years. And I think this is their time to make a push for Lamar. I could see them landing Lamar. They're probably the second favorite to land him if he does leave Baltimore. And that's solely because of how weak the division is, how weak the conference is, and what they could offer in a deal. Yeah, I think, um, you know, obviously Carolina, a team that also in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes, um, really it sounded like it was between Carolina and Atlanta, and then it became Atlanta and Cleveland late. Um kind of Cleveland made that 11th, 11th and a half hour push. Um, you know, I'll say what, what, what Carolina has the advantage of all the teams talked about today is the offensive, the all around like offensive coaching from like, from a, like, I guess I'm going to rephrase that quarterback coaching from Frank Reich. Frank Reich's worked with some incredible key work. He worked with Philip Rivers for a long time. Um, worked them again, worked with them again in Indy. Um, I don't want to misspeak here, so I'm going to do a quick search here um, about Frank Reich's history, um, whether or not he worked with a certain Colts quarterback. He did. Well, he did work with Peyton Manning. I knew that. Um, 
did work with Andrew Luck in Indianapolis. So he worked with a lot of quarter, really, really good quarterbacks. Obviously, he worked with Nick Foles as well. Uh, when Nick Foles, Carson Wentz were both, you know, on the Eagles team, Carson was an MVP candidate, and then Nick obviously won the Super Bowl that year. Um, so again, it worked with a lot of great quarterbacks. Um, again, notably Hall of Famers in in Peyton and um, and Phil. So um, a guy who who's known for being a quarterback guru, a guy who's coached and gotten the best out of quarterbacks for the most part. Um, I think we'll kind of take the last couple of years in Indy as a a grain of salt, if you will. Um, but again, a guy who um, very respected offensive mind, and I, and I think would be great for Lamar Jackson. Um, you know, I'll poke some holes here. Um, I don't think Carolina is going to outbid Atlanta. I don't. I I think Atlanta is more desperate. I think Carolina is content to ride this rebuild out with Frank Reich, as opposed to I think. Atlanta has had that taste of Super Bowl. I shouldn't say that. Carolina was in a Super Bowl not long ago either. So I, I don't know. I just think that it, I think I think Tepper is more patient than what's going to happen in Atlanta. I think they had coaching security to kind of ride this thing out. Arthur Smith and frankly the the Falcons GM too. I think they're both kind of being pressed right now. Like, hey, let's jumpstart this thing. Whereas they're in a position to be like, well, I think the front office is more saying like, hey, guys, like we just drafted Ritter. Let's figure this out. Maybe let's, you know, so I think Lamar's the fix there for them, obviously. You know, I think in Carolina, they're, they're, they'd be happy to take Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, CJ, if he, fall, if he falls that far. They'd be happy to take a quarterback here and, and let Frank Reich coach him up. If it's Richardson or Levis, they're probably sitting for a year or half the season. They're probably going to go sign a Tyrod Taylor-like veteran, a guy who – Pros, pro, um, you know, probably Nick. I don't want to say Nick Foles because Nick Foles was like horrendously bad last year. Like Nick Foles could be a third quarterback on that team. They'd go find a guy that Reich has worked with in the past or is familiar with Reich's style of offense to play quarterback for the first 10 weeks. And they'd figure it out. I, I personally, I think that Lamar would be great there. Um Obviously, a lot of young talent defensively. Derek Brown uh, on the rise as a defensive tackle. Jason Horn obviously um, has been locked down when he's been healthy. Uh, arguably a top ten corner when he's been healthy this past season. So, so you know Brian Burns due for a big payday here as they address her. So, you know I like I like of the of the teams we talked about. They have the best defense right now. Um. But yeah, no, an interesting conversation. And, and again, I'll, I'll close this out here and we can kind of circle back on this and then we can get to the, to the ice bath. But, you know, what do the Ravens do without Lamar? To me, it's it's two clear-cut choices. It's Well, it really, it's three. It's you draft a quarterback high with the pick you receive for Lamar, right? The, 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 the name pick you receive. So this year's first. So in this case, it'd be, you know, six, eight, or nine. Um, Bears, they may have fields that wouldn't take a quarterback, but in the scenario we talked about, but even if they, you know, six, eight, and nine, um, you can take a quarterback. So pair with that, you could always move up and trade. You can trade further up to get the quarterback you want per se, because you're not going to get your your pick of the litter at six, eight, or nine. You have to move up to one with Chicago, um, or go to three with Arizona. Um, but again. That's kind of goes hand in hand. That marries. So pick pick a quarterback high this year. Option two is 
um, you ride with a vet and you pick one next year, or you or you find a vet like Jimmy G and you go, screw it, we're gonna ride with Jimmy for two years. We're gonna figure it out. Don't love that option. The option that I actually uh, that's easily with the three is my least favorite choice for the for the Ravens. My favorite choice is probably just drafting a quarterback this year. Um, I think that's the best choice. Now, a, a choice that really intrigues me that I think can get the t- that I think probably puts them in the best situation to win next year is drafting or it is t- keeping the picks you have, picking at a, at a premium pick, six, eight, or nine, getting what's rare in a top you know a top end talent in a, in a draft that doesn't have a lot of blue chippers. You're gonna have a blue chip talent at eight, at six, eight, or nine. Probably gonna be a corner, which the Ravens need, right? You sign a vet like Jimmy to a one, you know, one year deal or Derek Carr, even Ryan Tannehill. If 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 you know they kind of go part of their ways in, in Tennessee, it's kind of up in the air. And you draft Hendon Hooker, and it's only Hendon Hooker. You can't go draft Duggan. Stetson, like it's not Duggan, Stetson, anybody else. It's Hooker or it's nobody else, and this doesn't work. You maybe Tanner McKee. I haven't watched tape on him yet, so I'm not gonna talk about him. But you draft Hendon Hooker, who'll be 25 when the season starts. He's not gonna play this year. He'll be 26 by the time he starts playing for you. But you're not asking him to. You're not asking him to play till he's 38. You're asking him to give you four years of solid ball. You're going to get five years of contract control with him, four years on the deal. And then, the, you know, you can add the it's not a fifth year option because he's not a, he's not a first round pick. But you can basically add a, a rights tag to him where it's like, hey, you can tender him and say, hey, we're giving you this contract. You have to give us a, if you want to match it, you have to give us a first round pick, second round pick, third round pick, whatever. You get five years of contract control with Hendon. I think what what the Ravens can do is go, listen, we're going to let Hendon get comfortable in the system, similar to took him a year in Tennessee to get comfortable in Heupel's system. A guy who between the ears is awesome. And frankly, you allow the defense to continue to be elite and play at an elite level, upgrade offensively, upgrade upgrade the offensive line, keep upgrading around Hendon for for a whole year, basically. If Jimmy takes you on a run or, or Carr takes you on a run or whatever, great, that's awesome. But guess what? The Chiefs made the playoffs with Alex Smith, and I'm not and I'm not going to say it's the same situation of drafting Mahomes and drafting Hendon Hooker, but the principle still rings true. Like, hey, this guy's a vet who's not that good. Let's go with the upside here, right? So I I don't know if it's my favorite option, but it's pretty darn close to my favorite option as a drafting guy. I look at the how much talent you could put around the team, right? So that's my only thing I'll throw at it. Um, but I'll let you kind of give your of those three broad choices. And I guess that you could stick sticking with Huntley can be thrown in the vet category as well. Um, but I'll let you um, kind of give your take and, and we'll get out of here with, with the ice bath. Yeah, for sure. I think side note, um, if the Ravens were to trade Lamar, I think they might have to trade him before free agency because I think their free agency oh, plans are vastly different. If they have well, and, Lamar and they have to be versus if they and don't. they have to be cap compliant. Yeah, well, they have to be cap compliant. But right. again, yeah, I agree. The, the free agency landscape is far different. So we're gonna we're gonna get a resolution here in the next two and a half weeks. Yeah, yeah you know, so you're 100 right. It's a, a great tag point. and trade or a long term deal by March 15th is what I'd be looking for. But in terms of the options that they could ride with if Lamar was to be traded or to be traded, um, is like you said, 
draft a quarterback, you sign one and draft one later, you have that option. There are a lot of options, a lot of ways they could go about this. But knowing that the Ravens only have five picks in this year's draft, that they value picks more than any team, I think they trade back with whatever top 10 pick they acquire if they don't like the defensive talent that's on the board. Or they do take a quarterback. I think, personally, I would like them to sign a vet at least for one or two years. You draft a quarterback next year, probably. You let him sit depending on who the quarterback is. And that's how you go about it. That's what I would like. Now, in terms of what I think the Ravens would do, I think they trade back and take a quarterback, one of those non-top four quarterbacks. It could even be AR-15. But I think, I don't think they could take a quarterback top 10. I think maybe first round if they were to trade back a couple times and, you know, Anthony Richardson's there, I think that could be an option. Or they could take Hooker, like you said. while I wouldn't like it, you know, Bennett would be an option that Munkin worked with the past couple seasons. I think I like Hooker the most out of the non-top four guys, just because, I mean, he would have been a Heisman finalist had he not torn his ACL. He could have won it. I would have definitely gotten some votes. And while he, while he did just turn 25 in January, he's only a year younger than Lamar, which is crazy. I think he would be a good option. Obviously, he's probably need to sit a year or at least half a year and learn from a vet, like you were saying, like Jimmy G, something like that. Uh, Obviously, they'd have to look at cap. You'd have to look at, you know, where you're picking in the draft. But I think these are all things that are options and the Ravens are pondering and that I would be fine with. I just want them to know their plan before they ride with it. And I think they will a well-run front office. um, But I just knowing how much they love their picks, I think they would trade back with the top 10 pick they acquired. Um, so that's what I think the direction will go is kind of take a quarterback later in the draft. I mean, outside top 10 is what I mean. Yeah, that is a lot of different scenarios that we could go with Lamar, obviously the pulverizing topic of this off season. Yeah. I mean, Um, mean, we, we could sit here for an hour, another hour plus and like break down more situations. We could sit here forever and do this, but this is kind of the gist, right? This is the meat and potatoes of the conversation, which was the goal to kind of get that out there today. Right. So. Right. While we did mention four teams from the NFC, there are more that could probably offer something. While the Falcons are far and away the most, the option that makes the most sense, and I think it's probably about 80% chance he goes to them uh, if he were to leave Baltimore. There are a lot of other teams that could make a package, put a package together, open up cap for Lamar. Like you said, we could talk about it a lot longer. But that is the first segment of a cold seat miniseries of NFL quarterback carousel this offseason. The Ravens and Lamar Jackson next week. I don't know what we're going to be talking about because a lot could change between now and then. So, you know, Aaron Rodgers could announce that he's staying in Tampa, could announce that he's going to be traded. Derek Carr's situation could be going on. It'll likely be one of those two guys in next week's episode. We just don't know which one yet. Uh, It could also be Jimmy G. We just don't know. Got to see what happens this week. The darkness, the darkness retreat. It concludes. We we got to see what's going on. We we got to figure it out, man. Doesn't it? I think it concludes tomorrow, doesn't it? Man, I don't know. We heard the darkness retreat was supposed to conclude like Super Bowl weekend, and then Rogers came out and said that uh, that uh, Shefty and Rapsheet don't know crap about him. I'll keep it PG. Don't they don't know crap about him? When it comes to me, he said they don't know crap when it comes to right. me. So, um, 
man, who knows when the darkness retreat ends, but it's, it's supposed to be pretty soon. You're right. I think it's supposed to be, we, te- we texted today about it briefly. It's supposed to be like next couple days. So I think, I think he's the domino that falls before Carr and, and Jimmy. I think um, there, was a, there was a tweet today that was like the Jets may have to just hurry, like hurry up on Aaron Rodgers and just, and just sign Derek Carr wrong. No, I- incorrect. It's not happening. They're not going to pass on Aaron Rodgers to send Derek Carr. Right. That is Carr's agent getting that out there to just get Carr a deal. And by the way, the the day after his brother said that he's going to take his time in this process, come on guys, what are we doing here? I know. Aaron Rodgers is the first domino that falls. But yeah, you're right. Well, one of the, well, hopefully one, if not multiple of them, have some news next week. Um, the Aaron Rodgers thing is confusing, man. I don't know. It is very confusing, yeah. but. Yeah, we'll, we'll be talking about one of them next week in the miniseries. Uh, but to round out the episode after extended conversation about Lamar Jackson's possibilities this offseason and for his future, we're going to end it with the ice bath like we normally do. We each have a little something sports-related this time to round out the episode. I'll kick it off before I let you round out um, yours, talk about yours, and then close out the episode. So mine is that So this past Sunday, a graphic I saw on Twitter came out after John Rahm had won the Genesis Invitational and was breaking, basically breaking down his pay of the 2023 calendar year thus far. So the calendar year that we're only about 55 days into, 54 days into, it was crazy. In 2023 so far, he has earned 9.4 mil, which is 1.88 mil per event, 470 sa- $470,000 per round he has played, which takes about five hours on the tour. $26,111 per hole he has played, which takes about 20 minutes. And $7,000 a hair under, like 50 cents under, $7,000 per shot. You take a shot, swing about every four or five minutes in PGA. So, you're making $7,000 every five minutes that you're playing golf leading up to 9.4 million in 53 days this year is insane. I saw that, thought I would throw it in there. Absurd graphic um, breakdown that I saw just doing some simple division. It's crazy. I mean, he was the world number one a couple years ago when he won the U.S. Open. He's back at number one right now after winning the Genesis. So, a lot of stuff going well for Rom and a guy that's been one of the biggest advocates for staying on the PGA Tour, and I'm happy for him. You know, he switched from TaylorMade to Callaway a couple years ago, didn't see any drop-off in his game. A guy that always, you know, gets along with everybody, loves the tour, is the hardest worker. Um, and so, yeah, I'm happy for him, but this is ridiculous, the payday he has had to this point in the year. He's been in his duffy, man. John Rahm was playing some of his golf, dude. Um... Yeah, I'll give my uh, my ice bath here, and we'll kind of round it out. Um, so we'll get obviously we were gonna we're gonna cover the the All Star next the all, kind of the All Star break recap from the NBA next week. Um, we're sticking with our NBA NHL um, kind of alternating schedule here. But um, for those that did watch the NBA All Star um, you know festivities, or if you were just logged on to social media on Saturday night, you definitely saw the absolute show-stopping performance that Mac McClung put on. I believe Kenny Smith called him or said he saved the dunk contest, which I don't disagree with at all. Um, put on an absolute show. 
Um, but he is a former Red Raider, all Big 12 performer. Um, Mac McClung was uh, with the Red Raiders in his final season in college basketball. So really, really cool to see him go out, go out there and show out, um, you know, sending a two-way deal with the Sixers, what, like literally three days prior so he could so he could compete in this competition was really, really cool. Um, it, it's just it's great to see, a, a, you know, a guy who went to Tech and performed well at Tech, um, you know, go perform at the highest level, whether or not it's in an NBA game or not, it's still on the NBA's like, you know, biggest stage, right? It's the, it's the all-star break. They make a, a huge deal about the event, um, you know, in, in, a, in an event that it had, you know, a lot of letdown ever since the Zach Levine, Aaron Gordon dunk contest. What, 20, what was that? 2018 was the last time against each other. Thanks. So. I want to say it was a few, a few years ago, right? So it'd been a while since the dunk contest was actually, you know, enjoyable for most. So uh, Mac McClung comes out and, and puts on an absolute show. Uh, received a 50 from all five judges on all four of his dunks, except for one judge on one of his attempts, um, giving him a cumulative scores of 198.8. Frankly, it should have been a fit. He got it was it, he got 50s on all of them, and then on one of them he got 50s and a 49. Should have been a 50. That was his best dunk till I thought. So should have been a, a perfect you know 50s across the board on all of his dunks, but nonetheless. Um, that awesome performance. Really excited to see it. I mean, the other thing is like, dude's like what six three, six two maybe. Yeah. And that he's doing those dunks is ridiculous. So, um, big ups to Mac. Really liked watching him at Tech our freshman year, and give another shout out to a former Red Raider. The, the you guys we don't do we don't do uh, video uh, format on the pod. Brett can see me. Should Brett we logged on? I do have the Tyree Wilson uh, NIL. Or like whatever you want to call it, Tyree Wilson, Texas Tech jersey on, came in tonight. It's fire. Um, so get one of them in those shots to Tyree. He went third overall in Daniel Jeremiah's last mock draft ahead of Will Anderson. Don't know if I'm on board with that, DJ, but I love to see the love for Tyree Wilson. Love it. Absolutely love it. Don't know oh, if that's yeah. the right decision, but I love the love for Tyree out there right now. So do want to put that out there. I'm rocking the Tyree Wilson jersey. I will be rocking this on draft night. I will do a quick change to the Chargers jersey when the Chargers are on the clock, but I'll go back to the Tyree Wilson jersey, rep, rep, rep the gang on uh, rep my dog on draft night, uh, Tyree Wilson. But uh, yeah, um, that's my that's it for me. I'll let you give any commentary and then we we'll can get out of here. Yeah, first, I think Tyree will be a top 10 pick, no doubt. I think that's pretty consensus. Yeah, easily. Um, for this year so it'll be fun to see where he does end up and you know draft as a whole obviously we talk about that for days and days on end but about Mac McClung um very impressive I didn't catch a ton of all-star weekend which we'll recap next Tuesday uh next week's episode as we'll talk more on the NBA but I did want to say that next year's dunk contest we could have McClung Levine and Aaron Gordon I think that would be an elite dunk we contest. should do it Finals off the bat. There's no like elimination round. It's just you get four. It's, it's just those four guys. Rounds. Four I'm rounds at, and the biggest. Honestly, yeah. Four wins it. What about? What do you think they have to pay Jaw to do it? Like, what what would like the NBA like? Like, obviously, like everyone talks about, oh, like the NBA is such a fraternity of dudes. It's like I believe. I'm not. I'm not making. I'm not like trying to make light of that. I think that's 100 percent right. true. And all all pro sports is, but what would the NBA players like collectively have to like raise to pay Jaw to do it? Dude, he would do some ridiculous stuff. That's true. Yeah, but I mean, I just, him would be great. But even if well. it was just those three guys, even if it was just those three, those, oh, I want those three dudes 
bring out the bring out the hoverboard again for the uh, the the ma- get mad get on. Aaron Gordon has to wear the Magic jersey. He cannot wear the Denver Nuggets jersey. He has to wear the Orlando Magic jersey. Got to get Levine in the T Wolves jersey. And Max got Mac. I love to see him pull up the Texas Tech jersey. Frankly, love to see it. But the Gate City jersey was fire. And he pulled the VC like it's over. That was pretty. Yeah. That was pretty. That was pretty clean. <laughs> that was pretty pretty sweet. But yeah, get those three yeah. in the dunk contest. Just those three. Have them dunk like five times, dude. I don't care. Let them dunk for. Let them dunk for an hour. I like it. So next week we will have another episode coming at y'all, just a normal episode talking about NBA, NFL, golf, stuff like that. Um, But this Friday in a few days, we're going to have our sixth edition, I believe, of the 2023 NFL draft positional rankings. And we're going to be covering running backs. Tell y'all, I'll probably watch about eight or nine guys. I think as of now is about what I'm thinking. Um, it should be pretty clear top two guys, and I think the rest of the field is kind of scattered after that. It should be fun to see where we each have guys. But this Friday we're also going to announce who we have next week, and it'll be different next week, uh, next two weeks. So make sure to stay tuned. Tune into it wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, you know, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, what have you. Uh, available everywhere, and follow us on socials on Twitter and Instagram at Cold Z Podcast. And we will see you all in a couple days for our running back rankings of the 2023 draft. See you guys soon.